This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Today we want to talk about the content puzzle. Andy Robinson um, just published her book, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, or maybe this week, last week. Doesn't make any difference. It's out there now on Amazon.com. You can check it out. Um, But what's a content puzzle? And how do we find the missing piece? Certainly, um, you know, content is a little bit of a game, right? Like, how do we really, I don't admit this too often. Um, I was actually writing an article earlier here, and I just didn't think it was going to work. I didn't think the topic was good. I didn't think I knew enough about it, and I just killed it. Sometimes we do that, and we start a new puzzle, so to speak, I guess. Maybe I shouldn't start with uh, 1,000 word, a uh, 1,000 piece Puzzle, start with 100 piece. All right, let's get Andy on the show here. Find out about why she wrote the book, what the heck is the content puzzle, and how do we find that missing piece? Andy, welcome back. Nice to see you, Christoph. Boom. <laughs> Almost half of the podcast life's episodes ago, you were on episode 270, Why a Company Needs a Content Council. Um, so that was, uh, you can check that out, everyone, but tell us about the new book, uh, why, why that specific topic and, uh, you, you know, tell us about wh- who you're trying to reach and who you're trying to help. Yeah, sure. So talking about, uh, scrapping projects, I have always had it on my bucket list to write a book and probably about 10 years ago, I actually started writing a young adult novel. Um, and life got in the way. My kids were younger and I was going to school to get my MBA and it just kind of fell by the wayside. And last year, um, early last year, it kind of crept back up in my mind. Like, I, I kind of want to write a book. And I looked around at a lot of the people that I looked up to um, in the content marketing industry who had written books. And I thought, you know what? I know a lot about content marketing and I have this unique perspective Uh, And so I can write a book. So I sat down and I started sketching out kind of an outline of what it might look like. And I would write every weekend. Um, I have a full time job and I do consulting on the side. So the weekends were the best time to write for me. Um, But that's kind of why I decided to write it. Um, And then uh, I think once you put something out into the universe, it becomes real. So I started posting about it um, on Twitter and some of my other uh, channels uh, that I was writing this book, and then people kind of expected it, so I kind of had to finish it. <laughs> I mean, that's fantastic to hear, and of course, um, you know, I, I see you talk about it, I see people talking about it, so that's always exciting to see. Now, you cover a lot of ground in the book, though. I mean, there's so many different pieces, and and you know, sometimes like you could write a whole other book on how to measure content success, right? Um, and, but, but let's kind of dive in. I think it was section two, you talk about, uh, the psychology of content and that's always interesting to me because, you know, like there's 
like you have to have a different kind of thinking about what you're doing, why you're doing it. But when you talk about the psychology behind content, how does that work? Are we talking manipulating people or what's that about? No, it's not about really manipulating people, but it's more about using what we know about psychology and personality types and using that to make our content better. So in that section two, you're right in section one, I kind of cover a lot of ground, a lot of different pieces, and it's meant to be more of a general overview of kind of the pieces of the strategy that you need to have when developing um, your content marketing or even product marketing um, strategies. And then in section two is the missing piece, which is that psychology aspect of your audience, which I think a lot of businesses and companies don't focus on as much because it can be a little bit more difficult and a little bit more fickle. But I think that it can also provide a great value. So let's say, for instance, um, one of the sections I talk about, the psychology of fonts, right? If you don't know how a particular font will make people feel and how they will react to it and how their brains react to it or font pairings, putting two fonts together, that can interrupt your message getting through to people if the fonts that you choose are not making sense or if they don't make sense alongside the rest of the content. So that's why that that psychology aspect can play a big role. And I also say throughout the book, make sure you're working with a, an experienced graphic designer um, because it can be difficult to choose the right fonts, the right colors, the right images that will trigger the right messages in your in the brains of your audience. Uh, so, you know, it's not about necessarily manipulating your audience, although I would argue that marketing as a whole um, is about making people react and cause action for them. Um, so that is in a way manipulating. But um, in general, the, the section about psychology is about knowing your audience at a little bit deeper level. Most companies probably know about the psychology of their audience, but they just aren't using that information. They don't realize that it's there. So that's kind of why I go over the, the psychology. I, I have a background I've, in love of psychology as well and the human brain. And so it's always really fascinated me. So when I, you know, when I just heard you, I mean, I don't know anything about fonts. You know, I barely get the jokes people make about fonts nowadays. But, um, you, you know, like that is not my my specialty, but I certainly believe that I know a thing or two about content marketing and content strategy. So, but that's really on the design side. And then you have other things. I mean, everything kind of seems to be bleeding over. So how do you figure out how to make all these things work? I mean, if, if you know, the first thing or one of the first things you mentioned is the the design piece, how can I be successful at content marketing without the right support system or can I? And that's part of what I go into in that first section is about the roles that you need. Um, it's not as easy as people think just to create content and put it out there if you want it to be successful. So you need people who are focused on each of those different aspects, whether it be creative, research, strategy, um, messaging, all of those things that you need to put the puzzle together to create the picture that you want to show to your audience. So you do need that support system. Um, for small companies, and this is what I talk about in the third section of the book is kind of how do you bring it all together. 
for small companies, um, they may have a smaller team. They may work with external agencies or consultants. For larger organizations, they may have a lot more pieces to that puzzle. They may be a lot more complicated and in-depth and thoughtful about their strategy. That doesn't mean that one way is wrong and the other way is right. It's just about what the company needs execute on their strategy strategy effectively. Um, so, you know, the, a large organization might have in-house graphic designers and in-house researchers, um, but the puzzle pieces themselves are the same. It's just a matter of how many pieces you need. Like you mentioned at the outset, do you need, you know, start with a hundred piece puzzle or a thousand piece puzzle? It's the same with content marketing. Um, there are pieces that are more mandatory um, than others. Some of them could probably fall by the wayside a little bit, or you could devote fewer resources to if you're a small company, um, whereas those larger companies um, are going to have a lot more pieces to them. I think it kind of comes back to as well, you know, how comfortable are you with different types of quality of content, right? If you only have a couple of people who can go far, but not very deep in some type of content creation, you know, exactly. you might have something that looks okay, but it wouldn't look as good if you had a professional designer created just to kind of keep harping on the, the, the design thing. Now, one thing you talk about too is, of course, you know, a puzzle um, you have to kind of have the, the, the bigger picture view, right? I mean, like, where do all these, I mean, if you only look at each puzzle piece like this, you're never going to get the thing done. Um, and how about, I mean, you have a whole section or a whole chapter, I guess, rather, on stepping back and looking at the big picture. Um, mm -hmm. I see a lot of people struggle with that, right? I need content right now. Like, I need content. What kind of content? I don't know. I need content to reach out to people. Okay, who? People. Like that doesn't help anybody, right? Yeah. So how do we step back and, and 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 what does that mean when we say look at the big picture? Uh, and how does that look in, in practice? I think it starts with your goals um, and getting those goals right. That's almost the foundation, or um, I think I mentioned in the book, for me, the way that I do puzzles is I start on the outside. So your goals are kind of that those outside pieces that help you. Um, start to form the, the frame um, for the rest of the work that you'll be doing to help flush out that, that full picture. And so getting those goals right is important. And so I think that's where a lot of companies, like you said, they flounder because they don't understand the goals and not just for their company, but you also need to focus on the goals for your audience or your customers, potential customers, um, you need to know who those people are that you're that you're targeting with your marketing. So you definitely need to um, have that foundation um, in order to see that bigger picture. But also sometimes it is having different unique voices and um, viewpoints in the mix. Um, you talk about it, you know, the team structure. Um, do you have, you know, people who have always been working on this same type of project or these same type of marketing strategies? Maybe you need to bring in fresh eyes um, to to the to the team. Uh, maybe it's diverse voices or people from different perspectives um, to help you see that picture. Um, you know, we've all seen these pictures uh, that are kind of tricking the eye, right? Like you could see two, you could see it two different ways. Is it a pelican or is it an elephant? You know, those kinds of things. So you need to have those people on your team who maybe have a different perspective 
Um, and that way you can figure out which of those images you really want to focus on. And certainly just because you have different voices, I mean, you also have to encourage them and empower them to actually share their voices. I mean, I've seen, you know, when we had Michael Brenner on the show, he, he, that's been a while too, but he talked huh. about all these jerks and companies, right? The era of the jerk needs to be over. So if you're not allowed to give your opinion, whether that's uh, through subtle messages or loud messages, you know, we do we do need that as well. Now, when you talk about the different kind of companies, uh, I mean, can any, I mean, I think any type of company can do content marketing. The question, I guess, is, do they want to? And, you know, do they even want to keep with it? Because, I mean, when you started writing this book a while back, right? I mean, it's not just didn't just happen yesterday. You've been practicing content marketing for a while. So have I. Same with this podcast. You know, we're at whatever episode it was earlier there, 546 or something like that. Uh, it didn't just take off overnight, right? So I'm thinking if I'm a smaller business and small, of course, is highly debatable. What's a small business? Can I make it work? Can I? Do I have time to put a puzzle together? Yeah, and that's a good question. And I think it the time aspect needs to be answered by the company. We all know content marketing is not a quick fix. Um, it is very uh, sort of a long tail type uh, initiative that, co that companies need to want to stick with. And I think that's the job of the content marketers um, who are pushing these types of, of strategies and campaigns is to show executives, show business leaders, um, company presidents, um, the value of content marketing, but also to set expectations because it is not an overnight thing. Like you said, it's not like you, you know, just put content out there and all of a sudden your sales are going to increase because, you know, in the end, at the end of the day, the company needs to sell products or services in order to, you know, to be successful. Um, but I think content marketing can can help with that. It's a matter of setting those expectations to say, look, this is, um, you know, perhaps more top of the funnel type activities where we're trying to bring people closer to the company. We're trying to give them information um, or content that will be valuable to them in order for them to build a relationship with us and to trust us. And then we can start talking about our products and and, you know, pushing more of that that product or service uh, type content where we're asking them to make a purchase. So I think it's setting those expectations. Content marketing has been around for a long time, like you said. But I think in some industries in particular, it's still a very new concept. Um, I work, as you know, in a very large global company um, by day. And then by night, um, I work with small businesses here in the Indianapolis area on their marketing strategies. Uh, some of them are more open to um, to weaving in content marketing alongside their other types of marketing. Um, they're more kind of, you know, consumer type marketing. Uh, others aren't. So you just need to kind of test the waters um, with the executives that you're dealing with, the decision makers. And you need to be ready to make that case of why content marketing is um, can be successful for them. There is lots of data out there. There are lot, There's lots of studies. CMI has done a lot of studies. All kinds of organizations have done studies around the effects of content marketing and how beneficial it can be for organizations. So, yeah, I think it's the role of the content marketer to tell that story and get to get executives buy-in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And certainly it takes takes some time, but there's there's way more hacks today to do content than there used to be. I mean, you know, I mean, just think about what we're doing right now. I mean, this would not have been as easy as it is today, um, 10 years ago, or, may, or maybe even five years ago. I don't know how old Restream is, but, uh, you know, Switcher Studio came around in 2014. So that's only like eight years ago. Um, now, let's talk about the, the the roles you need a little bit. And I always, you know, my favorite story still when it comes to roles, I was speaking at a conference and I said, who on your team should be the, the analyst? And they were all thinking, I'm like, well, maybe this person or that person, you know, like they were trying to basically add it to another person's job. And then I said, who on the team should be the writer? And everybody said, well, the writer. I'm like, what's different between the writer and the analyst? Like, why is, you know, why don't you just say the intern or whatever? So, but what roles do we actually need on a team to, to, to even start? I mean, let's say, you know, pick a, not a huge business that has an unlimited budget. I know nobody has that in theory, but um, how, like, what roles do you truly need to get started uh, on with a content marketing team? So there are a couple that I think are more mandatory um, than others. Um, the first is um, this more kind of high level strategy type person. And that's a person who can see across all of the steps of the process. And they're more of that kind of taking a step back kind of person. They're, they're looking at it from, you know, 9,000 foot view to see um, all how all the pieces are fitting together and checking off all the boxes in each appropriate step. So I think that's that's one um, role that you, you definitely need to have. Um, the other, obviously, is some sort of writer um, or message type person um, who understands the business very well and can write those messages, write the, you know, content, whether it be social posts or, you know, articles, uh, blog posts. Um, and some might argue those are two different roles as well. You know, writing for social is very different than writing for an article or blog post that's a thousand words long. So that may be come into play when you've got those larger organizations. But for a smaller organization, a writer who really understands the business and the messages that you're trying to get across. And then, of course, the, that creative or graphic design type role um, is always beneficial um, that you would need because, again, going back to the psychology, you know, it's not just as easy as kind of slapping things together um, and saying this is going to work, right? You need to be able to understand um, what elements work together, what colors work together, do they, do the colors that you're using exude the emotion and you know, that you're trying to get across to your audience. So things like that, um, you know, what type of creative is best for which channel? Um, all those types of things are something that a graphic designer um, would need to weigh in on. And if you're doing video, that might be another graphic designer type because designing for videos, very different than designing static uh, assets. So um, those are kind of, if it, if you're just doing the bare bones, um, those are the types of roles that I would have. Um, I would also add a caveat on there that if you really want to be successful, you need somebody who's going to do your analytics. Um, and that is another very high, you know, skilled type person um, that you would need, depending on what platforms you're pushing your content out through, you need somebody who can understand analytics and understand how to make adjustments based on those analytics. Now, again, if you're in a larger organization, there are, you know, definitely more roles that you can add into the mix, whether that be project managers or researchers 
Um, if you're, you know, looking to do a lot of research, um, there's several other types of roles, maybe somebody who's managing the tools um, that you're using, uh, campaign management, those types of things. Um, but those are the bare minimum roles that I would think you would need. Um, it always drives me crazy when I see a job posting that says, hey, we need somebody who can do five of these things. You're never going to find one person who can adequately do, you know, many different things within the marketing cycle. You know, I, I especially I find it interesting, the analyst, and I'm 100% in agreement with you. So we're not we don't have to debate that topic specifically right now. But um, it's I think it's so necessary too because whether or not I have somebody who's really looking at my goals of content uh, performance or not, I want my content to perform right. So I'm not an unbiased party to anything right. So if I'm looking at my own metrics, certainly I can do that. But the more complicated it gets, the more um, the more likely we'll just put it that way. People are to only find the good stories right. Uh, but if you have an analyst who can say, here's what we're seeing, here's what's working, here's what's not working. And the other thing, too, is uh, an analyst, uh, you know, should be able to figure out what's set up incorrectly, what's set up correctly. And I've actually been in a situation where the numbers were going up. And you know what? They were going up, but they were not going up at the pace that they were looking to be going up. But the people in charge of the analytics and the setup couldn't figure out how to set up correctly. I mean, that's really what it boiled down to. So why would I argue that, right? Like, I'm not the expert. So 100% agree with you on that. But talk about for a minute here too, why, um, what does the strategy person do? And I'm certainly a big believer in thinking time and, and whatever, but is that why we have so many meetings? Because the strategy people just make set up meetings so it looks like they're busy or like what does a strategy person do in their day do you know what i mean that's my question so i would describe a strategy person in my mind as a very knowledgeable like a 10 times more knowledgeable about the business and process person than the project manager so project manager will keep things moving along make sure everybody's in the right meetings and uh, you know making sure that deadlines are met and things like that so I say I see a strategist as like multiple, you know, versions more than than that project manager type role because they are seeing across everything just like a project manager, but they understand why things are happening the way that they're happening and if adjustments need to be made and they're making those adjustments. So for instance, um, let's say you're working on a campaign, you are, you know, you've developed your goals, you have your messages in place and you start developing creative. Everybody's like, oh yeah, this creative is great. It, it looks great, you know, it's it's the right format, et cetera. That strategist type role can say, wait, 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 wait. This content does not align back to our goals or back to our messaging. So instead of being in silos throughout the process, that strategy person can see across the entire, you know, front to end, of that process and make adjustments, make their, they're kind of, think of them maybe as a spider. They're, you know, weaving the web together of the whole, of all of the, um, of the whole strategy and making sure that all of the, the pieces connect and there are no loose strings. 
Yeah, and you know that's a skill in itself. To I mean, because the, this the communication skill, you know, is what I was thinking about. Because at the end of the day, a strategist, you know, yes, how would it work without them? I mean, effectively and efficiently, but they also need people to help them, right? So that's a whole communication skill I think that people need to learn on how do we talk to each other, how do we, uh, you know, how do we move things forward, even even if we just spend the day creating something that has nothing to do with what our goal is. Uh, and if, Andy, in the, of course, uh, your book, you can get that on Amazon.com. In the last uh, minute here, tell me, um, how do, do people connect with you? Do you take clients? How does that look? Yeah, so they can connect with me. I am at Hijinks Marketing, um, which is the name of my consulting business across all platforms. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. You can look me up, Andy Robinson, and you know, connect with me. Just let me know that this is where you uh, you saw me speak. Um, I am. I will take a client from time to time. I generally work with clients in the Indianapolis area, but uh, I'm not opposed to working with uh, clients, small businesses from other areas. Um, but yeah, so that's how you connect with me everywhere online. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights and good luck with the book. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.